It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. One of the real frontiers of the aquarium hobby is the practice of operating our tanks like the little microcosms that they are. Attempting to replicate in our aquariums on a number of levels the processes and cycles which occur in nature. We're talking about things like seasonal weather cycles, water temperature, depth, nutrient levels, pH, current, photo period, food pulsing, etc. Different stuff. Now, historically, hobbyists have been doing things like this to stimulate spawning in a wide variety of fishes over the years. This is really nothing new, right? However, Incorporating regular environmental manipulation for the routine maintenance of our fishes is something a bit different. I'm not talking about working your tap water to achieve black water or brackish conditions in your aquarium. We, we, we do all do that. Rather, I'm suggesting that once those baseline environmental parameters are set, that you operate your tank by trying to replicate some of the processes and conditions that we mentioned above. And we're just scratching the surface here. For example, one easy operation that we can form is the seasonal pulsing of leaves into our tanks. It's a process which can relatively easily simulate what occurs in nature when you think about it. This is a more, there's a more or less continuous supply of leaves falling off into the jungles and waterways in these tropical habitats, which is why you'll see leaves at various stages of decomposition in tropical streams. It's also why leaf litter banks may be almost permanent structures within some of these bodies of water. And for the fishes and organisms which live in, around, and above the litter beds, there's a lot of potential food, which does vary somewhat between the wet and dry seasons and their accompanying levels. The fishes tend to utilize the abundant mud, detritus, and epiphytic materials which accumulate in the leaf litter as food. During the dry seasons, when the water levels are lower, this organic layer compensates for the shortage in other food resources. During the higher water periods, there's a much greater amount of alochthonous input. Remember that? That's stuff that comes from above. I mean, you know this term, right? I mean, on what other hobby-related podcast do they talk about that shit, right? Nobody. <laughs> so anyway, a lot of this epiphytic material is alochthonous input from the surrounding terrestrial environment in the form of insects, uh, fruits, and other plant material. I suppose that in our aquariums, it's pretty much always the wet season in that regard, right? We tend to top off and replace decomposing leaves and botanicals more or less continuously, allowing materials to decompose and accumulate on top of one another. That's very similar to what happens in nature. And it makes me wonder, what if we stopped replacing leaves and even lowered water levels or decreased water exchanges in our tanks to correspond to, I don't know, for example, the Amazonian dry season, which is June to December. And if you consider that many fishes tend to spawn in the dry season, concentrating in the shallow waters, could this have implications for spawning our fishes? I think it might. In fact, I further proffer that if we need to look a lot deeper into the idea of manip you know, environmental manipulation for the purposes of getting our fishes to be healthier and more colorful, not just for spawning. Now, I know the idea, again, is nothing new on a macro level. We've been increasing and lowering temps in our aquariums, adjusting lighting levels, and tweaking stuff for a long time in attempts to breed fishes. That's kind of exhibit number one in making the case that these types of processes work. 
Killy keepers, my, my buddies, have been playing with this in drying and incubation periods and annual killifish eggs for generations. However, I don't think we've been doing a lot of real hardcore manipulations like adjusting water levels, increasing nutrient levels, you know, i.e. pulsing leaves and other botanicals, manipulating current, dissolved oxygen, food types, etc., 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 to try to replicate these things. I think that there's so many different things that we can play with and so many nuances that we can investigate and manipulate in our aquariums. What about the pulsing of leaf additions to correspond to the seasonal leaf drop? I think this could even add a new nuance to biotope aquarium simulation and the contest scene, such as creating an aquarium which simulates the actual functions, not just the look of, I don't know, the Prado de Iva River in Brazil in October, for example, but with appropriate environmental conditions, such as water level amounts of allochthonous material, you know, water, you know, water movement, all that kind of stuff. Like really show those hardcore biotope snobs what a real biotope aquarium is all about. It's about operating the thing, not just making a diorama type system. Okay, I'm getting a little harsh, I know, but the possibilities are endless here. And as always, the aesthetics are a collateral benefit of the process, not just the primary thing. If you start working function first, the aesthetics almost always come. There's so much to consider here. Of course, we're doing this stuff for a reason again. Number one, to have fun, but of course, to create more naturally functioning, authentic looking aquatic displays for our fishes. To understand and acknowledge that our fishes and their very existence is influenced by the habitats in which they've evolved. To unravel those subtleties of the relationships between them on a deeper level. Wild tropical habitats, aquatic habitats specifically, are influenced greatly by the surrounding geography and the flora of the region, which in turn have considerable influence on the population of fishes which inhabit them and their life cycle. The simple fact of the matter is, when we add botanical materials to an aquarium and accept what occurs, regardless of whether our intent is to create just a different aesthetic or perhaps something more, we are, to a very real extent, replicating the processes and influences that occur in wild aquatic habitats in nature. The presence of botanical materials like leaves in these aquatic habitats is fundamental. They're part of nature's operating system. In our little hobby sector, leaves are sort of the gateway drug, if you will, into our world. Where you go from there depends upon what aspects of the operating system you're determined to play with. The manipulation of other aspects of the aquarium environment, such as temperature, water current, and lighting, is every bit as important as the physical additions of botanical materials and leaves when it comes to the impact that they have. Even factors such as filling a tank with more and more roots and other materials after it's sort of underway is another simulation of nature that we could play with. You know, plants grow, the roots go into the water. It gets the water volume relative to the uh, terrestrial input is smaller. That's a possibility we can play with. What behaviors will that trigger? What interesting actions will that do? Of course, even when operating our tanks, we need to deploy radical amounts of patient in our work. Patience, excuse me. We don't just jump into things. Botanical style aquariums typically require more time to evolve. We know this. This process can be uh, expedited or manipulated a bit, but to tru you know, truly achieve meaningful and beneficial results, you just can't rush stuff. You can't interrupt it either. You can't start taking stuff out and uh, siphoning water and all that kind of stuff. When you do, as we learned, results can be, well, different than they would be if you allow things to continue on their own pace. Not necessarily bad, just not as good as what's possible if you relax and let nature run her course without interruption. Patience is our guideline. Nature is our inspiration. Experience and execution are our teachers. We're on a mission to share the benefits which can be gained by embracing and meeting nature as she really is. Give her a chance. She's, let, let's just let nature do her thing without interruption. Trust me, she's awfully good at it. In the confines of an aquarium, finding a rhythm that works for both us and our fishes is the key here. 
I mean, sure, if you want to really follow global weather patterns and do stepped-up water exchanges and botanical additions and control your lighting and do remove things and all that to correspond with those, that would be a really cool experiment. Depends on how detailed you want to take it. However, for most of us, simply establishing a routine of botanical additions and replenishment is a good idea. Removing them as they compose, or leaving them in until they,、uh, decompose, or removing them until they completely break down, are both practices which form part of the management, the operating system of our aquariums. Both simulate natural occurrences. It's all about change and consistency, working together in a most interesting way. The more we look at nature, the more we find that trying to model our aquariums aesthetically and functionally after her processes is an amazing way to go. And I think that our fishes will let us know too. I mean, those accidental spawnings aren't really accidental, right? They're an example of our fishes letting us know that what we've been providing them has been exactly what they needed. It's worth considering. Stay creative. Stay observant. Stay diligent. Stay persistent. Stay patient, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Ten and Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of the Ten.